When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Rachel Cunliffe, and on today's podcast, I'm talking to New Statesman columnist John Elledge all about conspiracy theories. So, John, you have quite literally written the book on conspiracy theories. Well, I've written half the book. I should probably mention as a co-writer Tom Phillips early on, just out of the generosity of my heart and because he probably did more work than I did. But he didn't want to be here today, so we're talking to you. He didn't want to be here today, but I just need to get his name in so I can ignore him for the rest of the question. What does he know that we don't? I'm not allowed to tell you. No. So this book is called Conspiracy, A History of Bollocks Theories and How Not to Fall for Them. Am I allowed to say that? I, too late, I just did. And basically... You've gone through the universe from ancient Rome to the blood libel to the assassination of JFK to Britney Spears to COVID to Trump explaining or trying to explain why people insist on believing things that aren't true. Is that, a fair, is that a fair summary? That's a fair summary. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, our, our sort of thesis for the book was that we're obviously in a very uh, a conspiratorial moment, as it was, as it were, with the Trump presidency and all the stuff surrounding COVID and everything. There's a lot, there's a lot of people on the internet watching YouTube videos, rather like this one, and coming out of them believing things which aren't true. And, you know, it, it is clear that at the moment, conspiratorial thinking is at a bit of a peak. But also the thesis in the book is that this isn't the first time. It won't be the last. It will. We, things will improve. Things will get worse again. If you look back at history, you, all the way through recorded history, you can find conspiracy theories. I think probably the earliest we managed to, to find and put in the book is the Roman general Germanicus, whose who's uncle, I think it was Uncle Tiberius. You're a classicist, correct? It, it was the Emperor Tiberius. Yeah, the yes. Emperor um, Germanica dies in suspicious circumstances somewhere in the east. But he takes a while to die. He's probably he might be he might have some kind of cancer. He might be poisoned. But he takes about a month to die. So in that time, he becomes possibly the only person in history to start a conspiracy theory about his own death. And that was right at the beginning of the Common Era. This is like the year 14 or no, it's a bit later than that, year 30 or something like that. But so we are talking literally 2,000 years. And there are almost certainly conspiracy theories that go back way beyond that that we just don't have evidence of. Uh, so our thesis is basically, the book is basically trying to say, OK, there's a lot of this stuff at the moment. It is terrifying because there was a conspiracy theorist in the White House. But this is not the first time there has been something like this. Even in kind of recent American history, you don't have to go back that far to find other terrifying conspiratorial moments. The other thing that we try, where it's a pain to push throughout the book, is that 
you, we're all sometimes, I think, prone to thinking of conspiracy theorists as like weirdos in basements, again, rather like this one. People who look like the comic book store guy on the internet. And actually, if you run the numbers, almost everyone has at some point believed in some kind of conspiracy theory. There is probably, and not necessarily everyone, but you can find actual majorities for belief in certain conspiracy theories, such as the JFK assassination. There had never been fewer than 50% of Americans who believed that there was a conspiracy behind that. that I mean, that, that's terrifying, because that, that means that since it happened, a majority of Americans have believed that there was a conspiracy beyond the lone shooter, and that covers presumably if it's over 50%, all demographics, men, women, different ages, Republican voters, Democratic voters. So there's something, what I got from the book is there's something quite unifying about this human belief to, or human tendency to believe that there has to be something more going on. What is it that drives people to do that? Is it fear? Is it wanting to seem like you're cleverer than anyone else because you've spotted something else? Is it just the fact that chaos and coincidence really terrifies us? Is it the fact that it actually it might all be true? <laughs> I mean, all of those things, literally all of them are things we talk about in the book at some point. I think if you go back to the very beginning, if you think about the sort of mechanics of evolution, humans are pattern spotters. If you can spot a slight change in the weather, that means a storm is coming. That means you have an evolutionary advantage over the small furry primate that can't do that. If you can spot the tiger in the bushes, and make out when it's a tiger as opposed to when it's just some lines. That, again, is an evolutionary advantage. But there is, if you follow that last example through to its logical conclusion, like a species that mistakes some leaves for a tiger is going to get laughed at a bit, but you're still going to spot the tiger, whereas the creatures that mistake the tiger for some leaves is getting eaten. So paranoia, is that's an evolved characteristic. But there's all sorts of other things in there. There's the fact that if we talk about the JFK assassination again, that is obviously a national... A, a, a global in some ways trauma a, a moment where and it, there, the amount of kind of pain and disorder that comes from that is totally disproportionate to the idea of one guy with a gun it just doesn't feel like a proximate cause it doesn't feel big enough so so I think often people invent these conspiracies to balance the scales as uh, so that's the thing called proportionality bias yeah so this is the thing where if something really big happens we have a really hard time accepting that it could have been a really small thing or a coincidence that caused it so for example covid the entire world stopped for two years therefore it has to have been a chinese government conspiracy engineering a virus to bring the global economy to a standstill it can't have been a mistake involving a sick bat yeah, exactly. It just doesn't fit, does it? It doesn't feel like the right kind of cause. Your brain wants something else. So I, I should just say that I'm sounding now as if I find this convincing and that I'm we actually pushing this. It's all right. We all know what you're saying. You yeah, the other thing first. is, like, the idea that it is terrifying to imagine that nobody is in control, as is probably true in most cases, most of the time, no one is in control. And it's just uh, the results of random processes of evolution in the case of COVID. Or if you, can't, you think that one of the... Probably one of the most, what's the word I'm looking for, seismic killings of all time, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand in, where was it, Serbia, wasn't it, in, in, in 1914. That, that's obviously the thing that sets off World War I and the Russian Revolution and then the Nazis and World War II. That basically creates the 20th century and millions of people die. That assassination was a conspiracy behind it. We know there was a conspiracy behind it. The Black Hand were planning to do that. But the only reason that Gavrilo Princip managed to shoot the guy was because the car turned the wrong way and had to go back. That's a completely random bit of chance because Archduke Franz Ferdinand's driver got a bit confused 
as to where in Sarajevo he was. So he turned the wrong way. And just like that level of chance creating all the huge uproar of the 20th century, it just doesn't fit. So it's, it's almost more comforting to imagine that there is some secret plan. There is someone behind this than the idea that this stuff can just happen. And sometimes that's the Illuminati, sometimes that's the Jews, sometimes it's the lizards, sometimes it's this shadowy idea of the deep state, which seem to be all powerful people who are behind government or have their hands on the leaves of government, but aren't necessarily elected. And I think what's interesting about that is that recently we seem to have seen a tendency for politicians themselves to embrace this idea that something might be going on. Now, in, in, in one of his last addresses to the House of Commons, the outgoing Prime Minister, I love being able to say that, the outgoing Prime Minister... Imagine how good it's going to feel in its former... <laughs> Prime Minister Boris Johnson kind of alluded to that. He was saying that there were these forces that were trying to take Britain back into the EU and reverse Brexit, and without him being there, then this is what these people, or the deep state, were going to try to do. Now, it's not quite Trump levels of conspiratorial thinking but it is a move in that direction you actually wrote a a really good column for us on on the new statesman about that language and and why it's dangerous so so yeah i did a bit of digging as far as i can tell the deep state centers it's always been there and the bit of the internet where the conspiracy theorists hang out they've been talking about it forever but it's sort of broken to mainstream political language and about march 2017 when it's sort of six, seven weeks after Trump's inauguration, they've all got they've got their hands on all the levers of power in the White House, and they're just discovering that they there are limits on what they can do, which is, as anyone who knows anything about American politics will know, that's the way the American political system is set up. There are checks and balances. The presidency is not actually all powerful, very much far from. So these guys got into office, they got into the White House, and they found they still couldn't do what they want. And they, well, they panicked, but also they're looking for an explanation, I think. And because of where a lot of them had come from, because they come from this sort of right-wing conspiratorial thinking, their their answer was not, well, it was the founding fathers and what they wrote in the Constitution. (laughs) Their answer was, it's the deep state. There are forces out there that are trying to stop us. So that, as far as I can tell, was when it enters the mainstream political lexicon. So it sort of means... These, this is the reason, it's an all-purpose explanation for this is the reason that we can't keep our promises to you, the voter, I think. So I think what Boris Johnson was doing was, rather than standing up and saying, well, I buggered that one up, didn't I, lads? He's saying, there are shadowy forces that have tried to stop me, and with me gone, they might take over again. I'm an unreconstructed Ramona. I spent six years absolutely furious about Brexit. I would bloody love it if there was a shadowy conspiracy to keep <laughs> Britain in the EU. It just doesn't exist. We are out of the EU. We are not going back in. It's done. The idea that there is a deep state full of Remainers is absolute nonsense. But it does kind of work as an excuse for why Boris Johnson in government was was a failure. Absolutely nothing like Boris Johnson promised he would be. There does seem to be a sense as well of kind of blaming institutions or applying conspiratorial thinking towards institutions. So you had Liz Truss, who who could be, if we're talking about terrifying phrases, potential future prime minister, blaming the fact that the Conservatives have been in power for 12 years and the economy is a mess right now. Well, it must be the Bank of England. Mm. You've got other Conservatives who are saying that the experts at the Institute of Fiscal Studies and other economic bodies who are saying now's a really bad time for mass tax cuts because of inflation. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Because they're the elites. They are trying to prevent whatever the the populist direction 
that they want to go in is I think there probably are people out there who would say that we at the New Statesman are part of shadowy establishment <laughs> forces. We are the media elite recording from a basement in Hatton Garden. So is it is there a sense that this kind of desire to blame somebody else and to see the patterns in failure is bleeding outwards or are we just noticing it more because this phrase became common in 2017 and it's something that we're talking about in these terms now so just on the matter of whether the new statesman is part of the deep state i was here for the corbyn years i was on staff and we did one day get picketed by corbyn supporters because we were not being supportive enough to the labor leadership and that you can have the conversation about whether or not we should have we as a magazine should have taken a different line but the idea of the new statesman was the thing that was holding the corbyn leadership back from success it was like worked here for six years with i never felt like we had any power whatsoever <laughs> I would have loved it if we were secretly with the hand behind the curtain, but no, not at all. I think we are hearing more of this at the moment because it's a meme, isn't it? If you think a meme at the basic level, it's an idea that spreads because it's useful. And all these kind of conspiracy theories we're talking about, they are... Politicians want simple stories they can tell because that's how you connect with the voters. But they also, politicians from any part of politics, also want to be able to say, it's not my fault. There is someone else to blame. And we're seeing a lot of that from the Conservative Party right now, because they've, they've been in power for 12 years. They've been years. in power for 12 years. They can't blame anyone else. They've been in office almost as long as the last Labour government. The idea that they, and they, until quite recently, they have been trying to blame the mess left by the last Labour government, and it's just become absurd. So they need other people to blame. So I think, and I think there is something in the water at the moment because Donald Trump was doing it. Because, and not just Trump. We talk about Trump a lot in this book. You'll be unsurprised to hear. But we also, it is worth mentioning in passing that you can also see conspiratorial conspiracism in the politics of Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil or Nehendra Modi in India. It's not just a Western thing either. It's that it's quite a useful, it's quite, a, particularly in the age of the internet where, you know, ideas that spread can spread very quickly. It is a good way of getting ideas to spread among your supporters. It's also, I think, just for the sake of balance, it's not just a right-wing phenomenon either. So we're talking about Boris and, and Trump, but one of the interesting things there in this book is you take apart the conspiracy theory that Trump's election and the Brexit vote weren't the result of democracy and the US going a bit populist and Britain being a bit fed up with the EU, but they can clearly all be blamed on a, a murky company like Cambridge Analytica, which did very dodgy yeah. things with our data. And that is a, a school of thought. Theory, it, it? it isn't. It, it's the people didn't actually vote for this. People couldn't possibly have voted for something that I personally find so abhorrent or so absurd. Therefore, there must have been a shadowy company yeah. involved pulling the strings. And actually, you deconstruct that as well. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, having, having mentioned Trump and Jeremy Corbyn, it's worth noting that people in the centre can also, in fact, do also fall for these things all the time. No one is immune. We got some, a chap called Chris Curtis is a pollster for Opinion, was kind enough to, to ask the public some questions to help us promote our lovely book, which is available from all good bookshops and also from Amazon. And one of the things we discovered is that 48% of Remain voters, or people who say they're Remain supporters, 48% of them think that Cambridge Analytica had a major role to play in swinging the Brexit referendum for Leave. There is absolutely no evidence of that. Cambridge Analytica went around telling people that they had, could do all these clever things with data. They were several years behind the times. Other people, other companies and other campaigns seem to have done it earlier and more effectively. They basically just had a good PR campaign. But nearly half of Remainers have come away under the impression that they were something to do with the result. Because, and I think it's because the more simple explanation is your worldview is wrong. 
you are in a minority. And again, that's quite that can be quite scary. And one of the one of the things the internet has done for us is pushed us all into bubbles, hasn't it? Where like you're more likely to interact with people who agree with you. You're more likely to read media from people who agree with you. Or there are points on Twitter for dunking on people who disagree with you. And that's kind of so so everyone sorted themselves into these little groups. And one of the side effects of that is you can't tell how big your group is compared to this group. And I don't think you need special explanations for why Britain voted leave. Britain has never been that enthusiastic about the European project. We'd had 30 years of the newspapers having a go at the EU and making up stories or exaggerating stories or however you want to put it. And a lot of people were really angry with the government at that point. And just because they haven't wanted to vote for Ed Miliband's Labour Party, that doesn't mean there was enthusiasm for David Cameron's Conservative Party. All those things put together mean, I think if you look at the political fundamentals, I think you would predict a Leave vote, wouldn't you? But yet there are some people, the sorts of people I think who go to Lib Dem conference and wear uh, berets, blue berets with stars on them, little EU flags. Those kind of people can't get their heads around the idea that they are in a minority and the world doesn't agree with them. And it is much more, again, it is a comfort thing. It is comforting to imagine that everyone does agree with you. It's just someone fiddled the result. Whereas the truth is, actually, people don't agree with you at all. And that's scary. Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to the New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays, read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Ian McEwan on wrestling with Orwell's Inside the Whale. Might we reasonably assume that there is no longer an inside to the whale? That the creature lies stranded on the beach, as whales sometimes are, but the guts and blubber and ribcage are on display. A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. At first, the problems weren't ideological, but practical, technical and quite, well, obvious. And Maria Wilczek on Belarusian football fans who took on Alexander Lukashenko. After the August 2020 protests, hundreds of ultras were roughed up and held in custody. One was later found dead in suspicious circumstances. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I interviewed Rory Stewart on a previous New Statesman podcast that 
you can listen to and download and be subscribed. part of the deep state, if ever anyone was. Well, quite. <laughs> he was joking about that, actually. But he's got a new Radio 4 show all about arguing and about how we've lost the ability to disagree with each other in a constructive way, partly because of social media and Twitter forcing us into those camps, as, as you say, and the fact that the algorithms for social media reward people for being divisive and you get lots of likes if you say this proves that Brexit was a disaster or in fact this proves that the Ramonas are trying to stop Brexit and actually part of it is to do with respect right if you can't respect somebody else's argument you can't possibly see why anybody sane could make that decision there must be shadowy forces behind it and then you don't have to disagree with them you don't have to debate them on the merits of their argument you just have to go after the conspiracy behind them is that what's going on basically what i'm asking is it all twitter's fault i think a lot of things are twitter's fault up to and including my career really but yeah i do think you're right that there is certainly there are points for saying certain things and anyone who is extremely online as we are at least will know that sometimes if you're having a bad day it gives you a serotonin hit to tweet something that's going to get a lot of likes or to mock someone on the other side of the fence that you know is going to get a good response from your side of the argument. I think that has been a factor. But also, there are other things about the internet that I think are in play as well. The fact that it's, it's broken the mainstream media. It's so much easier to set up something that looks like a decent news source these days, but that doesn't have things like fact-checking or proper reporting. And it's not always easy to tell whether you're looking at uh, there's a thing I saw recently called BNN, Breaking News Network. Have you come across this? I've seen screenshots. It's yeah, it's a twi- it's a Twitter account that I think it's it's it's, it's following isn't upwards of it's hundreds of thousands. And we've we've just boosted it, so yeah, well done. So there. Sorry, but it's like what is this thing? As far as I can tell, it's just someone it, it's just someone like repeating headlines from elsewhere and occasionally doing some internet marketing. But because it sounds a bit like CNN, it's it's got a lot of attention. It looks like a real news source. So so I think that's a factor. But also the algorithms that sites like YouTube use are there their, their purpose is not to convey true information their purpose is to keep you on YouTube as long as possible and it turns out the way of doing that is to provide people with things that fit with their existing their existing prejudices and if you stick with that for long enough it does start automatically feeding people quite conspiratorial ideas because the algorithm has worked out that those are the things that that will keep you online so there's all sorts of ways in which I think the internet is behind our current mess but also we've had technological changes before and there have been moments of conspiracism like this and then they've gone away. I think probably it's not going to destroy the world. Probably it's just going to be a bit weird for the next few years. And that's quite reassuring because you end the book, or the, the final chapter is, is on the, obviously the most relevant, biggest, terrifying conspiracy theory of all at the moment, which is QAnon, this idea that the US government is controlled by a, a bunch of satanic cannibalistic paedophiles in the basement of the pizza restaurant which, which doesn't have a basement, basement yeah. yeah and that this is also to do with why trump lost the election and we're currently we, we're still going through the january 6 hearings about mm. what happened when people who believed very strongly in this conspiracy theory literally grabbed a bunch of guns and tried to take over the seat of the u.s government but more worrying than that you have elected members of congress who are or at least claim to be signed up members of this conspiracy theory do you not think it's grown a bit too big when you have people who are elected on a platform of saying yeah i believe that this nonsense that somebody made up on a obscure message board forum i think it's true and i think that everything that goes wrong in our country is because this, this, this pizza restaurant is trafficking 
children for the sake of having sex with them and also possibly eating them. It's too bizarre to really deconstruct properly. And yet there they are in Congress. And it certainly looks as though the former president of the United States believed it too. Yeah, QAnon is peculiarly terrifying because it's a scale of it. It's almost like the birth of a new religion. Like there are there are sacred texts, the, the Q drops, which is literally just these kind of messages from this personal group of people, which are quite cryptic. And people on on uh, 4chan or wherever it ended up debate the true meaning of these things. And then sometime later, Q will reappear and say, oh, you were right. You interpreted that correctly to someone. It's a cult, right? It is. But also you think, again, it's an evolutionary mechanism. It's There were almost certainly... If 100 different people give 100 different explanations for what Q means and then Q reappears down the road and says right this is the correct one it's like how do you falsify that there will always be something it can point these people can point to and say yeah that's kind of that's kind of true so so it works like a, it's like the blob it sucks in all these other conspiracy theories and all these other ideas and it has this kind of deep connection to the Republican party and you know, at some point the Republican party is going to be back in majority government in what is still the most powerful state on earth and they have nukes so yes on that level it is terrifying also climate change denial is a conspiracy theory informed to a large extent and that too could have all sorts of horrible so so I'm being a bit when they say it won't destroy the world. Maybe it will destroy the world, but they think probably we're going to be okay. I would also like to point out there are lots of bits of this book that are fun. Yeah, I I was going to... I talk about the death of Paul McCartney, for example. You do talk about the death of Paul McCartney, but what's interesting about that bit is you end the bit about the death of Paul McCartney with the conspiracy theory that Britney Spears was being controlled by shadowy forces that were preventing her from actually living her own life uh, and that she was... the, The way you could tell this was cryptic messages on her Instagram feed that looked like they weren't written by her if you knew what to look for, hidden signs on the internet. And it all turned out to be true. It did. So, like, I had to rewrite that chapter because originally, like, I always... This, this is what I mean, but we're all capable of falling for this stuff. I always, having looked at it, thought, yeah, I think Britney is being held prisoner against her will by this legal mechanism. Conservatorship is basically a form of giving giving someone else power of attorney. And it's, but it's basically normally used for elderly people with dementia or to sort of talk about things so like end-of-life care. So there's no off-ramp. Basically, if you go into this, you're handing over power of attorney. It's difficult to then turn around at some point later and say, OK, I'm fine now. Can I have the power over my own affairs back? Because generally speaking, when someone is in their final decline with dementia, that's not going to happen. So so it was, it was the wrong mechanism for someone who was just having a, a bit of a breakdown because her marriage had broken down and all sorts of other things. So she got, I think she got trapped in it. But I was looking at this before it came out that it was true, thinking, I believe this one. I think this is probably the case. So I did what I thought was being incredibly clever. I'm writing a bit at the end saying this is this looks exactly like all these other conspiracy theories in form. But I think this one's true in a sort of like I'm trying to show off that actually some, sometimes conspiracies are true, guys. And it turned out before the book came out that it was. So I had to rewrite that bit. But yeah, it is in form exactly like those. It's just as mad as any of the others because it is secret symbols in messages which only the initiated can read. Yeah, it was down to her use of a particular emoji that her fans said meant that she couldn't possibly have written that. Therefore, somebody else was in control of her account. That Therefore, somebody else was in control of her life and they were right. Yeah. And this is another thing, a point we make throughout the book, is that real conspiracies do happen. I've already mentioned, like, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Like, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, that, that was the result of a conspiracy. There was a conspiracy to blow up the House of Commons in 1603. There are lots of real conspiracies out there and you just, you can't necessarily tell, and some of them sound crazy, you can't necessarily tell which of the sort of nonsense out there right now is going to turn out in a few decades' time that was actually real all along. 
so two final questions one um on why people do believe these things and the Brittany example is a really good one like we talked about pattern recognition we talked about fear and the idea that some things are just too big is part of it though just that we really want to think that we're quite clever and if we've spotted something that's secret that other people haven't spotted then that tells us that validates us and that shows that actually you know we're brilliant and everyone else is sheeple. Absolutely. Like, people want to feel special. They I can't believe feel... I just used the word sheeple. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. people want to people feel special. People want to feel they have access to, to knowledge that other people don't. And also, often conspiracy theorist communities are like friendship groups. It's like in any other social group. Like, to abandon those ideas means abandoning those friends and being shunned by them. And that can be hard to do. So in that sense, being a conspiracy theorist is very much like being a member of the Liberal Democrats. <laughs> Which is, in itself, <laughs> they've got hats. They do, you... not all of them, but only the special ones, yeah. <laughs> and then, finally, if you listen to the last You Say It's Been podcast, I was talking to Andrew Marr about the fact that I have been called an elitist lizard. There are lizards in your book, which is one of the madder, but somehow more persistent conspiracy theories that the world is run by lizards or alien lizards or lizards that are controlling people. What's the weirdest one that you encountered researching this? So I'm a big fan of the uh, the phantom time theory, which is the idea that about uh, 297 years of history were made up. By who? By, I'm glad you asked, by the, the, the Holy Roman Empire, um, the Byzantine Empire and the Papacy. Because basically they decided it'd be when they were working out a calendar, they decided it'd be far cooler to be ruling in the year 1000 than the year like 703. So, so they fiddled the numbers. But this would involve basically making up Charlemagne who is quite an important figure in European history. And also, it's what I like about this one, other than the sheer madness of it, it's so Eurocentric. Like, it does, it feels truthy. If you're Western European or American, and you have a sense of history that goes, you know, Roman Empire, medieval period, early modern, Columbus, etc. Then the fact that, you know, after the fall of Rome, there's a couple of centuries where we just don't know much about. So it does fit. Well, maybe we don't know much about them because nothing happened. But it totally ignores the fact that in Persia or China or the Arab world or even Southeastern Europe, where the Byzantine Empire was still empiring along quite happily, there is no gap in the records. It is specifically a reflection of the fact that Europe was quite backwards in, in these centuries, like the 6th, 7th, 8th century. So so it's I, I kind of, you can see the exact worldview there. There's also a Russian version of it, which is which does the same, but more comprehensively. Basically, every so much of history in this theory is a repeat of other bits of history. So ancient Rome is actually Alexandria, is actually Constantinople. It's just like stuff is literally copied and pasted by probably by monks and it very cleverly puts puts Russia at the center of everything the other really weird one that I enjoyed doing was looking at flat earth and I interviewed one of the world's leading flat earthers whose name I can't remember I should really have looked this up before starting but who is a genuinely lovely man and was perfectly nice to talk to and I freaked out afterwards because I couldn't immediately see what was wrong with some of his arguments <laughs> and so I wrote literally about 4,000 words that got cut from the book because I was trying to prove to myself that the earth was a globe and then my co-writer Tom Phillips gently said that we probably didn't actually need to definitively prove that the earth was round we could take that as red so so that's not really a story about a weird conspiracy theory as much as my weird brain that's what tom would say if he was a lizard though isn't it if he was in on it yeah yeah that's certainly true (laughs) john edge thanks for joining us the new statesman podcast you write a weekly column for us and the book is called conspiracy a history of bollocks theories and how not to fall for them 
You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Rachel Cunliffe, and my guest, John Elledge. Our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. We're produced by May Robson and Bilal Ali. If you've enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.